It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Superior Sports Talk with Reggie Wilson and Luke Inman, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota, and it starts now. Back at it, another episode of Superior Sports Talk presented by Locked On Sports Minnesota. What's happening today, Reggie? What's up, man? Thursday, we have almost made it through the week. So close, so close. Yeah, we're going to talk <laughs> Twins lost their second straight. Adam Thielen, while O'Connell in practice, we'll get into all that. Plus later, Reggie sits down with new Timberwolves GM Tim Conley. It's all coming up on Superior Sports Talk but first, save time and money when using Rock Auto. Rock Auto is a family-served business serving do-it-yourselfers like Reggie and I for over 20 years. Reliably low prices for every customer. Reggie, they're practically giving away this stuff. It's <laughs> unbelievable. From brake parts to tail lamps to motor oil, even new carpet for your vehicle, go to rockauto.com today and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, Locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us section so they know we sent you Rock Rock Auto, amazing prices. That's RockAuto.com. All right. Well, I was ready for you to. I was ready for you to sing the the jingle at the end. There. <laughs> That's tomorrow, man. We, okay. we go with the bang tomorrow. All right. All right. Let's talk about those twins, shall we? Twins haven't scored a single run in now twenty consecutive innings after mm. getting shut out the last two games. The Twins lose last night five to zero. Bailey Ober on the mound gets knocked around in his second consecutive shaky start. This time goes six innings, nine hits, five earned. Twins bats, however, ice cold again. Of course, Reggie, you got to note, no Buxton, no Correa, no Kepler, no Luisa Rice. So it was obvious this wasn't going to be a double-digit game for their offense. Like, you know, we're used to seeing every fourth, fifth game, but still got Sanchez, still got Polanco, still got Urshela. Reggie, Twins have now lost three of their last four, four of their last six, and six of their last nine in what was supposed to be their soft spot in the schedule. The lineup and pitching staff is missing guys left and right with injuries and COVID. So where should the fans be on the panic meter right now? There's a high level of concern, Luke. Like, this was supposed to be that soft stretch of the schedule, and they're they're losing six of nine mm. to teams like the Royals, the Tigers. Mm. Like, what's going on here? You know, it was interesting because – Yesterday, um, we were getting ready for uh, the 6 o'clock show, and it came down like no Arise, no Buxton, no Kepler. I was like, well, what are they even doing? Why are they even playing this game? What's going on here? Why are we even doing this? What's going on? And, like, you knew that maybe – it was like, look, I could have seen it going one of two ways. I'm like, of course all those guys will be out, and they end up scoring like five or six runs. Or – what happened last night. But I, I don't think you really thought that they would get shut out. It was just like, dang, like, can't even muster up a run against the Tigers? Like, it's the Tigers, man. Like, you're not playing the Bears. You're not playing the Lions. You're playing the Tigers. And so I think it was just kind of – it was just it was a little deflating from a fan standpoint to see them come out and not be able to muster up just about anything to get going. And – 
That's that's tough, man, because you got this series with the Blue Jays this weekend. You know, the Yankees are in the future. The Rays are in the future. Seattle's in the future. And you're just like, uh, what's going on here? You know, you try to head into some of those series with a little bit of momentum. And maybe the momentum is winning tonight. But it's just like, man, you go against these teams that you're supposed to be beating up on. And you're the one getting beat up on. Yeah, I'm not going to lie to you. I mean, these conversations were a lot more fun when the Twins were winning every day. <laughs> Everyone's happy, butterflies and rainbows, but Twins have hit a stretch here where some fans were waiting to say, I, I knew this was maybe too good to be true. They're not mm-hmm. this good. Are they really first place in the AL Central? Dead last last year, but if it's just a rough patch with all those injuries, failing to get your best nine guys in the light up night in and night out, or this is in fact the real Twins team we're finally now seen remains to be seen one thing's for sure though things will only get tougher as you mentioned schedule gets real coming up with the blue jays on the rise and you just mentioned the other tough guys they're going to start playing twins could very well be without their top two pitchers for that blue jay series espn released their latest power rankings your minnesota twins remain in the top 10 they drop from nine to the 10 spot this week oh no the article notes yeah i know the sky is falling reggie the article <laughs> notes the twins have lost three games as of late after owning an early lead which points to their struggles in the bullpen that could remain a huge Achilles heel as they get into the heart of the summer and try to make a playoff push even still though they mention when healthy the twins do have a top 10 lineup top to bottom in the MLB so I guess, Reggie, your quick thoughts on the Twins' rankings this week. And when it comes down to crunch time here, their chances of making a big move for a stud relief pitcher to plug into the bullpen. I think they should, but I'm wondering, like, who do you give up that you, you know, it's like you get someone for the interim probably because that's just kind of how these things work out. But then you're giving up someone who is a long-term person for someone else. You know, they keep, okay, ESPN's got to chill, man. This is like the third or fourth article that that we've read on these power rankings where they bring up the Taylor Rogers chris Paddock trade. Like, give it a rest. I'm sick of it. I get it. Give it it a rest. It happened already. We, We can't do anything about it. Chris Paddock is on the shelf with Tommy John now. Taylor Rogers looks like the best closer to ever close, you know, outside of Trevor Hoffman, I guess. I, I don't know. You know, he's he's Mariano Rivera all of a sudden. Great name drops. I'm just like, come on, man. Like, what's going on here? Um, and so it's like, look, the guys that they've had fill in, they talked about Emilio Pagan being okay. You know, he has been okay. But you got Duran at the back end of that bullpen and you know yeah him and Rodgers would have formed a great one-two punch one-two duo whatever you want to call it but like they're doing okay in that regard it's not the closer that they are are struggling with it's the other part of the bullpen you know it's guys like Tyler Duffy coming in and giving up three four runs and 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 Emilio Pagan just being okay you know coming over from the trade and so I think it's tough, man, because the the bullpen, <laughs> with some of the struggles right now, the bullpen seems like the least of their, their worries at this point. It's like, look, they need to get the bats on track right now. And so if they get the bats on track and then they, they realize that the bullpen is still just going to be an Achilles heel for the team, which I think that it could be, 
then that's when you talk about making a deal at the deadline. But then when you do that, it's like, okay, who are you giving up? Because if you want a, a high-level bullpen arm, or at least a decent bullpen arm, you're going to have to give up someone decent. And that is the scary part because you're just like, dang, man, like we like some of the pieces that we got. We just want to get a little bit better. And as we saw with the Paddock Rogers trade, like you got to spend money to make money. They're going for broke now because, you know, Paddock is on the injured list for the foreseeable future. But it's like, look, if, if you guys want to take a swing at a reliever that is going to be a difference maker, then maybe you you have to give up someone notable to be able to do it. But I think, you know, you, you start looking at some of these teams that are not doing great. You know, maybe maybe you try to figure out some type of a deal with the Reds or, you know, so, some one of these teams that, that are, are kind of just like just middling. You know, or not even middling. They're just struggling. And uh, you try to see if you can broker a deal to get someone off of their team that is doing pretty good in their bullpen that maybe you don't have to give up as much. Um, Because it's going to be tough to try to make a deal with someone and not give up someone that you really value in that organization. After Rodgers leaves San Diego Padres in free agency and Paddock's out here pitching seven innings strong every five days or so, we better see that from ESPN. Keep that same energy. That's right. That's right. And you're right, Reggie. I mean, you're pretty much looking at maybe trading away some of their top prospects like the catcher Austin Martin's one of their best prospects. Again, mortgaging some future there Mm -mm. to get some somebody that can give you an instant impact this year as they get in that final stretch of the season in the summer and then obviously try to make a postseason run. Again, when healthy, experts calling this one one of the best 10 lineups in baseball, a lineup that should be beating the Tigers more times than not. And you don't want to overstate the fact, again, they're missing so many big key names like in a game we saw last night. But truth be told, when fully healthy, this team should be a lot of fun when they Mm -hmm. get cooking once again. White Sox stay put at 14 this week, by the way, and the Guardians drop from 16 to 17 in ESPN's latest power ranking. So there you go. Twins look to pick up the pieces today in an afternoon game. Chris Archer on the mound looking to save the Twins from their recent heartache and get them back on track. First pitch. He needs his first win, man. Yeah, still looking for that first win. Rest assured, Reggie and I will be back tomorrow to break all that down. All right, coming up, we're talking Adam Thielen's high praise from his new head coach. And later, Reggie sits down with new Timberwolves GM Tim Conley. But first... Our partners at Bet Online continue to be your number one source for all your betting needs. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports info, including this year's basketball finals, Major League Baseball, fights, and even NFL futures. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet Online, it's where the game starts. All right, well, the Vikings' final stretch of practice at OTAs continues today, wraps up June 3rd tomorrow. Yesterday during practice, Adam Thielen apparently made the catch of the offseason thus far with a twisting, toe-tapping catch in the back back of the end zone from Kirk Cousins. Thielen was mobbed by the offensive teammates (laughs) afterwards. It led to head coach Kevin O'Connell giving him high praise in his post-practice press conference. O'Connell called out Thielen's just feel and knack for the red zone specifically as that field shrinks, the windows get tighter. Thielen's field awareness is one of the best he's ever worked with. So the proof's in the pudding here. 
Thielen has caught 24 touchdowns in his last 28 games. Clearly one of the better red zone wideouts in the league the past two years and has obviously grown a tight rapport with Kirk Cousins. But now he's got an offensive-minded head coach, a new offensive pass-happy system. So is it realistic or is it foolish to expect Thielen to somehow get better under O'Connell's system and produce at even a higher level? I mean, Reggie, you've been out to TCO. You've watched this offense work up close and personal here. What's your thoughts on Thielen's role in this new offense changing and what might it look like? First off, what a great week for Adam Thielen, right? Mm. He has this uh, charity, charity celebrity softball, softball game. game. You know, Jefferson hits a home run. Everybody's hitting the gritty. Kirk Cousins hitting the gritty. Uh, Thielen's hitting the gritty. They're, they're just really loose right now, and they seem to be really enjoying each other. And I'm excited to see what that does, you know, moving into the season. Like, everybody seems to be really tight and, and close-knit and having fun with this new regime. Uh, being in charge and that's that's something to be said about you know their culture that they're rebuilding there and the chemistry that they are building with one another um second Adam Thielen is just a consummate pro man like last season we were talking about I think like in like seven through seven or eight games or something he already had like 10 touchdowns like all the dude was doing was catching touchdowns and so in this new offense I don't know if I expect him to be any greater or any like any more production than he usually has because I think last year he was on pace for you know well over a thousand yards double digit touchdowns like he would he was going to be a dude anyway. And I think that's what I expect from him. You know, the the offense is going to continue to put all the receivers in great positions to make plays. And he's a playmaker. Simple as that. You know, if the injury didn't happen last year, he was he was right up there. You know, if if Justin Jefferson is wide receiver 1, he's wide receiver 1A. You know, and I think uh, Thielen's production should be what we expect from him. And I, you know, what what is cool to see is him making those plays and OTAs. You know, he's not slowing down, you know, as he continues to age. He's not really, you know, getting, you know, hit by father time, you know. But it's it's interesting because uh, we ran a soundbite from Kevin O'Connell yesterday uh, at six o'clock. And he is excited, number one, about this offense, but number two, just about the receiver group. I mean, he even raved about them signing Albert Wilson, who is a burner, who is versatile on the field. And I think he's excited to be able to employ him in different strategies and also put him maybe back on punt returns as well and see what he can do. He's a playmaker. He can stretch the field. And, you know, he may be like a home run hitting guy for the offense if he sticks around with the team. But, you know, as a as a former quarterback, he was like, man, I really like this receiver group. Like he was kind of like salivating like he was going to be the guy throwing them passes on Sundays. And so I think he's really excited about the receiver group, and he should be. I mean, guys like Thielen, J.J., Osborne, you know, you got Smith-Marset who's kind of working his way back from an injury. He was in a walking boot, um, which really not sure what injury happened uh, to him and when it happened, but 
he's probably expected to be back by training camp at least. And then, you know, you got guys that you brought in like Jalen Naylor and Albert Wilson. Like, this is a really stacked wide receiver group that I'm sure he's like really you know, trying to figure out ways to dial up them and, and put them in positions to to get the ball in space and make plays. And what's been funny is, you know, uh, Adam Thielen on a radio show the other day talked about how complex the offense is and how he's just like, man, I'm trying to learn this offense. Uh, Kevin O'Connell's offense is is quite different than what Thielen has been used to. The concepts are similar. Uh, the, the positions that he's going to be in, are similar, but the verbiage, you know, the scheme is different. And so now he's him and the the rest of the offense are having kind of like this crash course in learning the offense. But I think once he gets it, I think he's going to be sensational in this offense. And I'm excited to see just how explosive this offense is with O'Connell pulling the strings. Yeah, remember O'Connell worked with Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, mm-hmm. OBJ in the past, and it's no secret he maximized, obviously, a lot of that potential there. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a lot of fun and interesting to see what roles he kind of carves up for Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, K.J. Osborne, not to mention, oh yeah, Dalvin Cook, finding ways to get him the ball out in open space and you utilize him mm-hmm. in the passing game more than we've seen in the past. Uh, we talked about ESPN's rankings of all 32 teams off-season reports last week. Vikings landed 17 on the list. They just released teams 1 through 16 yesterday. Mm-hmm. Green Bay Packers found themselves at number 9. Before we get into the article details itself, Reggie, what did you see from the front office? So what was maybe, in your opinion, their best and worst moves the Packers made this offseason? I think the worst move by far was trading mm-hmm. Devontae Adams. I think they made their decision that they were going to commit to Rodgers for the rest of his you know, career and, in essence, just priced themselves out of being able to pay Devontae what he wanted. And so they shipped him out to go play with his bestie. And I think that was probably the worst move for me because now you're talking about a, a group of largely unproven uh, receivers when it comes to the the context of that Packers offense. You know, Sammy Watkins has been a very productive receiver in the league, but he hasn't ever stayed healthy, especially like over the last three seasons. And so then you got Christian Watson, you know, you, you can have high expectations for the guy, but he's a rookie. It's just like, okay, how much can you really expect from, you know, a rookie? But, you know, guys like Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase having the type of years that they had as a rookie, you're just like, dang, man, that's a lot of pressure to maybe put on a young guy like that, maybe if he needs some more time to develop. And so, you know, they've made all these moves, which, you know, to to try to, you know, bolster that defense and, you know, drafting a couple guys in the first round and and really just kind of go all in on that defensive side, but the offense is always going to be the bread and butter of this team with Aaron Rodgers there. And so when you talk about getting rid of some of his pass catchers, I mean, you got Dylan and Jones in the backfield, so maybe you make a little bit more of an effort to run the football, but it's just like, come on, man, you're not about to like, you know, neutralize Aaron Rodgers in this passing attack. So if you're going to go for it, like, you need to go for it. I mean, guys like Julio Jones are still on the market, you know? 
like he would come in and instantly be better than any receiver that you have on that roster, you know, but then now you're talking about another receiver that you're like, dang, man, is he going to stay healthy for as long as we take for as long as we think, because he's a guy that kind of takes a beating out there on the football field. And he has all these nicks and dings and things like that. Really kind of surprised that he's still unsigned. But I thought that a team like Green Bay would be interested in him um, just because of his production and just him being a veteran guy that is a playmaker in this league and has been for a while. Yeah, first and foremost, like it or not, it's always going to start with the quarterback and retaining mm-hmm. a Raj on the extension, massive three-year, $150 million deal while helping free up money to retain core guys, Rasul Douglas, Devondre Campbell, and of course, Jair Alexander. That was huge. They've committed to A-Raj, and in all likelihood, he'll retire as a Packer, as he should. But this is it, Reggie. I mean, this is their window. The time is Mm -hmm. right now. And in the NFC, you got the Rams coming off the Super Bowl, basically returning their same team. Tom Brady's coming in hot and angry. He wants one more. And then you've got the Niners, Cowboys, Cardinals, Eagles, all getting better. And you know you're going to have to bring your A game and, and have a complete team top to bottom. And that starts with the championship defense. And they've certainly used so many assets, early draft picks, salary cap on that side of the ball the last two years. And I think we're really going to see the identity of this team change into a more well-rounded team that many games you sit down and you watch and see a Packers team led by and carried by the defense for the first time that we've seen in maybe the past decade under A-Rodge. So the only thing you really have to be worried about if you're a Packer fan is who Aaron Rodgers is throwing the ball to, like you said. Now Mm -hmm. they've used an early-round pick on Christian Watson, who I love as a prospect coming out. But if you go back and look at Rodgers' track record, he's not known for getting rookies involved in the passing game early and often and would much rather lean on veterans that have been in the league, better route runners, know where they're supposed to be on the field when he scrambles out and extends the plays and understands how to read NFL defenses at a higher level. So I think you're doing Watson a disservice by expecting him to just come in and fill the shoes of our number one receiver in the entire league, like Devontae Adams, and instead should expect a much more spread him out passing game. Guys like Sammy Watkins, Randall Cobb, Robert Tunyon, who ended up on the IR but had about eight, nine touchdowns before he got hurt, go from, you know, force feeding one guy to everyone just pull up a chair at the dinner table and let's pass the ball around. Everybody's going to eat in this offense. But things are going to look a lot different, both offensively and defensively, for sure. Reggie, let's fling out some early predictions when looking at the NFC North now. We've studied the offseason. We've studied their drafts. How do you think this division shakes out now, now that this ESPN 1 through 32 rankings of their offseasons has came out? You know, I'll give the Vikings a chance to be at the top of that division. Mm-hmm. So when we're looking at 1 and 2, we're we're basically you know a toss-up between the vikings and the packers they are the upper echelon of the division it's a two-team division right now right Right. yeah and then then i'll go funny enough i'll go lions and then Mm -hmm. i think the bears will be at the bottom of the division i really just don't expect much from them i think the lions are (laughs) quietly getting better Mm -hmm. but i think the bears man it was my hot take what two weeks ago I think they're going to be picking in the top five next year when you look at what they should have done to help their young 
budding, trying to progress and develop quarterback and Justin Fields. You use two first round picks on him. They just surrounded him with such little help and talent on that side of the ball. And you got to be careful with that because when you have a young quarterback like that, you don't want him to develop bad habits because he doesn't have the type of help that he uh, needs. Exactly. Like, you know, like if he's force feeding it to to a uh, one of the maybe the only productive guys on the roster, you know, one of the only productive receivers that he can count on, like that's not good because, you know, then when you do get him some help, he's not necessarily going to like – understand how to get it to get everybody involved because he's been so used to you know having kind of a one-track mind out there you don't want to stunt a young quarterback's development and him not having you know a lot of of weapons and things like that I think that's when you you see things like you know him running for his life and him just trying to do too much try to make too many things happen and then that's kind of a, a recipe for disaster Hey, guys, we lost Allen Robinson in free agency. We got to go sign, you know, a big-name guy. We got to get Justin Fields some help. Any ideas? Byron Pringle. I like it. I love it. Sign him up. Who's been nothing but like a wide receiver three or four, you know, in Kansas City. I don't get it. I don't get it. Okay, the time has come. Our very own Reggie Wilson got to sit down with new Timberwolves president of basketball operations, Tim Connolly, just a short while ago and had plenty of things to say about leaving his former job and taking on a new challenge here in Minnesota. Let's check that out. That's sit down with Reggie and Tim right now. What was behind the decision to get you to come here? You had a really good job over in Denver, you know, really good talent. Jokic just won MVP again. You left that for this. What was so enticing to get you to leave? It was really hard because it was not just the players, the people, you know. I said my, my, my boss and mentor, Josh Kroenke, had essentially made my career. Michael Malone's a guy I've known forever. Um, Calvin Bose, one of my best friends. So it was... It had to be such a unique opportunity. We've spent a lot of time talking about it as a family. Um, it's, it's always scary when you leave a place that you've had so many good memories, which are so comfortable, but we've never really been driven by comfort. We, we, we like a challenge and it kind of led to this day. What are you most excited about building here? I want to be a team and an organization that's reflective of who, who I am, you know, hardworking, self-deprecating, don't take yourself too seriously. You know, obviously on the court, grittiness, play hard, high basketball IQ. I've never been a team that's won a championship, never been the finals. Through my 26 years, I've, I think I've learned a decent amount about building the right culture, about the right building, about having um, connectivity, and hopefully um, you know, I, I don't screw up without, it's already a very positively moving team. Reggie, some great stuff in your sit-down with New Wolves president of basketball operations. He's obviously got a great track record and mentioned how tough of a decision it was to leave that and take on a new role here in Minnesota. What was your big takeaways from a sit-down, and what did you learn about maybe what he's going to bring to the table here in Minnesota? Well, he said in his introductory press conference that he wanted to push the envelope a little bit, but... As you heard at the end of that, he likes what the Timberwolves have built and are building. He likes some of the moves that Sasha Gupta made last season to just kind of steer the ship and, and stabilize things, you know, after some of the drama, you know, losing Gerson Rosas right at the start of the season. And his big thing was just like, look, man, I'm not trying to screw this up. I want to add to what's going on, not take away from you know, he was excited about guys like Cat 
and D'Lo. I know D'Lo's kind of been a little bit of a of a lightning rod, a little polarizing here lately, and his name has been brought up in a lot of different trade scenarios as well. And as we get closer to the draft, you know, that's when you start to think like, okay, what what's going on? You know, you saw Cat posting Instagram pictures yesterday, smiling with with Paul George. You're like, wait a minute. What, what are you guys doing? What's what's going on here? And so uh, you look at things like that and, and you just wonder, like, what Connolly is going to do as he kind of gets himself set in that Timberwolves front office. And it's it's interesting because he really had a plush gig over there in Denver. He took over for Ujiri when he went to Toronto and he got elevated to president of basketball operations with Denver. And he basically just kind of grew up, you know, there as far as like in his front office role. And during his time there, saw the Timberwolves, I'm sorry, saw the Nuggets draft guys like Jokic, mm-hmm. multiple time MVP now of the league. Jamal Murray, who is a star in the league. Michael Porter Jr., who was a budding star in the league before, you know, the injury problem happened again. And so he's known as a great talent evaluator. And he's known as a guy who really can get the most out of the draft and and personnel decisions. And I think you're excited about that. He's excited to work with Chris Finch again. They've had a pass together where they've crossed paths before. And so, like, he's excited about what the team is building. And, oh, yeah, they gave him $40 million. And, oh, yeah, they gave him ownership equity in the team as well, which he didn't really want to talk about because he said, I really don't even understand the whole contractual thing. He's like, I'm just here. But I think he wanted a new challenge. You know, he he talked about how, you know, this was not something that was built for him to just be comfortable you know, he's not just in this thing to be comfortable. He wants to, to be challenged. And I think he looked at this as a new challenge. And for a long time, the Timberwolves have been kind of like a middling franchise, a franchise, you know, that it really has just been needing to get over the top. And I think he looked at it as a challenge. Like, if I can make this team relevant, he's like, look, I haven't been to the NBA Finals before. But I think I know what it takes to build a team and have a culture of winning. And if he can do that, where he can have the Timberwolves relevant year after year, they're in the conversation about, you know, trying to win the West. I think that's going to be something that will always be a part of his legacy, much more than maybe what he could do in Denver. Yeah, when asked what he wants to build here specifically, called out building a team that's reflective of who he is personally, hardworking, on the Mm -hmm. court, looking for grittiness, play Mm -hmm. hard, high basketball IQ. So when listening to that, what players specifically, when you look at this roster, do you think really could take another step or or shine under this new regime? I know we talked about a little bit Cat and D'Lo, but who else specifically do you think, oh, this could be a really great new opportunity and the fresh start this player needed to take that next step? So I think when you talk about like high IQ and gritty, Mm -hmm. you think of Patrick Beverly. Yes. And he's not like an up and coming guy anymore. Like he's probably got more years behind him than he does in front of him. You know, not to say he's just like this old man Rivers or anything, but, you know, like he's going to be a productive guy for them. And he's going to be that type of presence that they brought him here for. But then you look at the roster and you think about guys like 
Jaden McDaniels taking a step forward. You think about a guy like Anthony Edwards taking a step forward and really just making this team his. You know, it's like this is kind of like Cat's team with Anthony Edwards kind of like emerging. But I think what is going to be the case moving forward is like Anthony Edwards is going to be an alpha just as Cat is an alpha. And in two years when they have a decision to make on if they're going to give Cat the Supermax, I think that's where you kind of weigh these things like, okay, what are we doing in the context of having Anthony Edwards and having Cat together? And I think when you look at a guy like Jaden McDaniels hoping to, you know, he's got to find a better, more consistent jump shot. But the guy is all effort, all energy. He makes great decisions and plays when he's out there on the court. You just want to see him continue to grow and develop on the offensive side because he has like flashes of being a guy that can put it all together and really just kind of be a star in the league. But these are some of the guys that you look at. You look at the roster. You know, he has a history with guys like Vanderbilt, with guys like Beasley, who are going to be, you know, great role players for this team moving forward. You know, guys like Vanderbilt was even starting, you know, several games, you know, down the stretch. But I think when you look at what he's looking for, you know, you start with those guys and then you see what he can be, uh, bring in as far as the draft and who he can build around moving forward as far as bringing in some key free agents as well. Plenty to be excited about with Tim Connolly coming into Minnesota. We'll keep tabs on all that, all NBA offseason for sure. Remember, NBA drafts coming up just right around the corner. Hopefully some more sit-downs with Reggie on the show over the next few days and weeks on Superior Sports Talk. That was awesome stuff, Reggie. We're back here tomorrow breaking down more Twins, Vikings, NBA and NHL playoffs, and plenty more. Remember to like, rate, review, and subscribe to our YouTube channel and join us every day for another episode covering all the biggest topics in Minnesota sports. He's Reggie Wilson. Follow him on Twitter at ReggieWilsonTV and on CARE 11 every night. I'm Luke Inman on Twitter at Luke underscore Spinman. Tune in tomorrow to Superior Sports Talk, part of Locked on Sports Minnesota. For Reggie, I'm Luke. Until tomorrow, signing out. Be blessed. Spread love today. This is Superior Sports Talk with Reggie Wilson and Luke Inman, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.